I'm Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. I am so excited for today's episode. Christopher Rouleau, Toronto-based graphic designer, letterer, and visual artist, joins us on today's podcast. He's also one of the co-founders of Ligatures, Toronto's typography hub, and he's a regular contributor to Uppercase Magazine. Christopher has collaborated with magazines like Today's Parent and Chatelaine, as well as companies like Pepsi and LG. His work can be found in store windows, on packaging, and in books. Much of the work he sells in his online shop connects local history with new age lettering techniques to create the perfect visual marriage. I can't wait to get started. Thank you, Christopher, for coming on the show. I absolutely love everything you do, and um, I'm really excited to dive in and really learn more about your process. Well, thanks for reaching out to me. Uh, those are very kind words, so thanks. So can you tell us a little more about yourself and kind of how you got started in the world of design and lettering? I've always been uh, interested in graphic design and art. I attended the Alberta College of Art and Design in Calgary, and after that, went on to pursue a Bachelor of Fine Arts at the University of Calgary in theater design. And so I've always been interested in getting my hands dirty, painting, drawing. My interest in typography started to brew in like the early 2010s when Jessica Hish was becoming very popular. And I was working at a stock photography company called Veer that would sell fonts. So at the time, one of my jobs was curating and reviewing um, fonts and preparing font light boxes for people. So I got exposed to a lot of fonts. I got really excited. So that was when I started investigating it further. And since then, since about 2011, I've been a freelance graphic designer based in Toronto, specializing in hand lettering and sign painting. That's neat. I actually, I didn't know that you used to work at Veer. I know Veer very well. Cool. Yeah, it was a really, really fun time. Yeah, I, some of my best memories and favorite coworkers are from there. So, Where do you find the inspiration for your design and lettering work that you do? Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, if you look hard enough, you can find inspiration everywhere. But for me, I really have an eye on the past. I love antiquing and, and vintage hunting. So, yeah, I see there's just so much out there if you just look hard enough. I'm also very fond of walking down back alleys and looking for old hand-painted signs. And of course, traveling, you can't get more exposure to really good design and typography than traveling across the province, across the country. And if you can get out of the country, it's even better. Do you have any favorite spots, not to put you on the spot, but do you have any favorite interesting type examples from somewhere you have visited? I haven't been to a ton of places. 
the things I've seen in Europe are just, it's such a, it really is another world. Like they are just, you know, like they're like a century ahead of us in terms of history. So they have stuff dating back pre 1900 that just blows my mind stuff that's still, you know, ghosts, ghost signs on buildings and stuff. I went to France, uh, Paris a few years ago and I just, my mind exploded and then Italy in 2018 and it's just like incredible the history there is so rich. What does your creative process look like? So once you've got your inspiration, mm. what does that creative process look like? Yeah, I spend a lot of time looking and um, thinking about what what I what I want to explore, but it is a lot of gathering of information and research. And then the next step is usually a lot of a lot of sketching in a book with a pencil and making lists of just ideas, um, trying to like make it all fit together. Because usually projects that I've done, it's not just a one-off thing. I like to kind of expand it into an idea or concept. So there is a lot of like pre-work before any pen or brush hits the paper. I really try to investigate what what's the message I'm trying to get across and then what's the best way to get the message out. And you mentioned that you use pencil on paper first. Why, why is that so important for you? You know, it's probably one of the best lessons I got from art school was um, the, the benefit of sketching because you might not feel like you're the best drawer or, or sketcher, but to get the idea from your brain, which is really just synapses, it's nothing, to get it onto something that's like physical and in front of you, even if it's not a beautiful uh, museum-worthy drawing, it, it's like the idea it comes to life and then it can, it can grow into something more concrete in Illustrator or Photoshop, but just to get it down through your hand onto paper, it's like it becomes, it's not just a synapse, it's a concrete thing. I completely agree. I'm the same way. If it's not, I find it very difficult to go from brain to computer. Yeah. And one of the other lessons that I got from our school that kind of ties with that is that, of course, we're so busy and everything is like, we're in a rush to get the idea done so we can get it done so we can get on to the next project. But our brains, we think we get one idea and that's the idea. We're full of ideas. If you just push your brain you can come up with dozens of ideas if you just push yourself harder. It's all in there. You just have to like get it out. I love that. And sometimes I have to tell myself that my next good idea is buried in there. I just have to <laughs> find it. Same. Yeah. So can you tell us more about your sign painting work? It is incredible. And uh, especially your dishonest signs, as you call them, in that in that Rubenesque style, uh, they're magical. And for those of you listening who aren't familiar, Wayne Rubin is the iconic Honest Ed's sign painter. Yeah, Honest Ed's and Wayne Rubin's sign painting definitely had a huge impact on me when I first moved to Toronto. I'd never seen anything like that, and when it came to my own like creative development. Sign painting was something that I always wanted to do. It always felt like there was a bit of a hurdle because it's hard to just jump into sign painting and be an expert. 
So I, whichever year it was, I think it was 2018. I was like, this is the year I'm going to just like go into this fully. So I got all the supplies I needed and I put aside five or six months of dedicated time each week to practicing, practicing, practicing. I got very frustrated. Um, I made huge messes at my studio. And then finally things started to like connect, at least especially with the way that the brush, it's so unique. The br brush and paint on paper is so different than a pen or a brush pen. Um, you're really like, you're, it's like, right. I don't know how to explain it, but like, it's very, very physical and it's very meditative. So you have to, you can't be distracted by the things that be very, very focused in almost like a fine art way. So finally, once I felt comfortable with my skill level, I wanted to create a project that I could showcase where I was at. And since Honest Eds was an inspiration and at the time, like charcoal ice cream was this fad that I thought was so ridiculous. I was like, okay, let's take Honest Ed's and ridiculous prices for things in Toronto, tie them together. I came up with, I think, six different concepts. And then that was um, how the, the poster series evolved. Those, yeah, they're fantastic. I love, <laughs> I love looking through them and each one's funnier than the next and more outlandish. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick anecdote. I have the one print on my Etsy shop for pea meal bacon listed at 99 cents. Literally three different people during the pandemic have ordered it and thought they were getting bacon and I've had to refund them. Stop. Not kidding. Three people. Stop. So speaking of Toronto and all of the iconic Toronto typography and cool stuff happening in our city, can you tell us more about your collection of Toronto the Great posters. So they where did you find the images for the project and kind of what inspired you to work with these historic photographs and bring your own craft and your own lettering uh, to those photos? Sure, yeah. I So before the sign painting project, um, I was really interested in brush lettering and hand lettering and I was looking for a way to showcase that idea. So I I've always loved, like I said, antiques, um, looking into the past. And Toronto, of all the cities in Canada, probably has the most extensive archive of its uh, growth and history. And it was one visit to the Toronto archives on Spadina, Spadina Road, I guess, that just my mind exploded at just the amount of uh, photography and scans and uh, even postcards that they had just lying around, just free to look at. So I dug around and then I came up with the idea of showcasing what we think of as contemporary neighborhoods, but like rooted in their historical photos. Uh, again, it was a lot of lists and spreadsheets coming up with either the most iconic or the most like recognizable. And then just researching the best photos and tying it all together. I think the, the collection is now up to 27 different neighborhoods. I had to like stop myself because I kept adding and adding and adding. And then all of a sudden I have 27 different prints that I have to keep in, in stock. So it stopped there. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite photograph of a neighborhood that you think, whoa, that <laughs> it's things have changed? I love the Trinity Bellwoods gates just as like an icon of the city. And because that I think used to be a hospital in, in the park there, in the center of the park, 
So I think in the photo, you can see the original hospital building in the center of the park and that's now completely gone and now it's like a hipster paradise right, right. So that's a pretty specific like change has happened and then the aerial shots where just toronto or toronto the greatest feature just looking at the way the skyline has changed you think of these these artists and photographers a hundred or eighty years ago they probably couldn't have even imagined where we'd be right now in 2012 you challenged yourself to draw a hundred versions of one glyph every week. And then you took the most interesting 52 glyphs and you created a font. I also noticed that uh, in reading your blog, you pursued kind of similar challenges using different materials in the years that followed. So how did these challenges start? And really, what did you learn about yourself and your work in, in the process? Yeah, back when I was um, a baby and just like learning, I liked to have something on the side that wasn't client related that I could do like in the evenings just to like have fun and also learn by proxy. So a lot of those projects, including the the alphabet a day project, the one where I did a hundred versions of each one, I just wanted something fun where I could challenge my brain to get a hundred ideas onto a paper with no, like there was no real rush or pressure to get something amazing. And then to create a finalized version was actually a test of learning how to get better in Adobe Illustrator. Because at the time I was just doing basic, basic stuff. So that really like over 52 weeks, it was kind of like a self-taught Adobe Illustrator lesson. And the other projects I've done where I've, like I think the subsequent project was when I tested out different materials that weren't on the computer and weren't necessarily just pencil. Like I was doing 3D stuff, paint, I just wanted to like get off of the computer, get away from Illustrator and just like play. Cause I think play, there's a, a lot to be said for just play and, and curiosity, experimenting. And that one, yeah, I don't think there was anything specific that came out of that, but um, I can look back now and see that that was the beginnings of a lot of interest in the sign painting. Cause the month that I played with signs and sign painting was probably my favorite. And I, I I think it's such a neat thing that you did there because constraint really does breed creativity when you, or, or when you're forced to just get something down on paper and a hundred different versions in this case, you really, you, you just have to go for it. It's, it's almost quantity over quality and you see what comes out. Yeah. And they say what best is the enemy of good. I think constraints have always helped me. I think we're all sometimes like when you're given too much freedom, it's, 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 uh, it actually works against us. So setting just lit, even just little limits for myself, what was like, I just need to have one letter by Sunday, totally doable. And if I, it's not done, I just do it Sunday night. It's fine. There were times when like, of course life comes up and you get behind and you know, whatever you just do two the next week. It's not, it's not difficult and there's no point in getting discouraged. I think it's such a neat challenge or a neat thing to get your brain going and something that's not client work is I agree is really important to keep your own kind of creativity and motivation and, and keep your learning fresh. So what is your favorite letter to hand letter? <laughs> that's a really difficult question. I mean, I can't even, I don't know, like maybe I'm biased because my name is Chris and I like C. I mean, C is nice to do. I know 
When I'm doing brush lettering workshops, I love lowercase m or writing the word minimum in lowercase script. Ooh, that's a good word. Because it's really bouncy, but honestly, yeah, I can't. It's like picking your favorite child. Also, all, all 26 of them are my favorite. Fair. That's a very, uh, a very diplomatic answer. Thank you. What is your favorite tool, whether it's material or software or perhaps one of each? Uh, what's your favorite tool to work with? Based strictly on usefulness, Adobe Illustrator is like, I, I couldn't function without it. It's so infinitely useful for me for everything I do. Even if I'm laying out a sign, it's so, it just makes my life so much easier. Nothing compares for me than paint on a surface. Um, and like I was mentioning with the sign painting tools, the one shot enamel paint, I mean, other than the toxic smell, if you can like protect yourself from that, the quality of the paint, it's like the first time you cook with butter or like it's, it's, you can't like compare it to anything. I wish it weren't so toxic, but I've found ways to work with it safely and uh, I love it. I've never used it, but I would imagine, uh, yeah, I can just, I can see it. Well, it's like nail polish kind of. When you're putting nail polish on, it's it's opaque and buttery. Yeah. I am absolutely in love with everything you produce. And I'm, <laughs> I scroll through your website and I'm like, oh shoot, I just, it's 20 minutes later, I gotta, I gotta get going. So I know it's probably difficult for you to pinpoint your favorite ever project, but do you have a recent favorite? My favorite thing up to date was the processed Canada pieces I did last year because it sort of felt like it combined a bunch of my skills and passions all into one thing. My love of Canada, my love of sign painting, the pieces themselves felt very theatrical and prop-like. They were physical solid things cut out of quarter inch ply. So it kind of felt a bit like making a set piece. And I was really happy with the the final pieces. I was happy that I didn't get any cease and desist letters yet. Can you tell us a bit more about that project for anyone who's who's not quite sure? Yeah, it was uh, last year when I was trying to come up with some pieces, just like a new collection, um, and I wanted to celebrate Canada in like a pop art way, sort of like if Andy Warhol was doing sign painting, what would he do? And I came up with these five very Warhol-ish, can-shaped Canada emblems that take very popular Canada things and make them specifically Canadian. I also learned a lot about corporations and which corporations actually own these huge, like, multinational chains like Canada Dry, even Inhabitant uh, or Habitant Soup. I didn't know that the Canadian maple syrup can actually had like a corporation owning that identity. It's an interesting point that there's probably a lot of red tape there. What is the most challenging thing about what you do? In terms of being a freelancer, it's the adjustment of the ebb and flow of work and money. And um, there's no one telling you what to do. So you really have to stay motivated. And it just has to come from inside of you because no one's going to tell you. But for me, in the last 10 years, I think one of the biggest challenges has been work-life balance because there's no cl clock to sign out at the end of the day. Like I can literally work until 10 o'clock at night and there's no end. 
So having like a dedicated workspace really helps with that. Trying to be very strict with myself about, you know, turning off my computer, doing things that aren't work related has helped. I did have a, an offsite studio, studio space for four years, which was really, really great. I was really grateful that I had that. And I guess just always staying flexible and adaptable, especially like even with this pandemic, many of my clients have pulled the plug just because of money and everything. So it's just staying like staying on your toes and open to projects and open to things coming up. I think that's a good skill for anybody staying adaptable. A hundred percent. I think we're all learning to be a little bit more flexible and adaptable in this world. However, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. So do you have any advice for aspiring designers who want to get started doing something similar to what what you do and they're maybe they're not sure how to get started yeah if i could if i could talk to myself 10 years ago i would probably tell myself just to calm down there was always an urgency to get it right and figure it out in year one you know even figure out things like your brand and your identity and like what is it that you're what is it you want to do? What are you trying to sell? It comes over time and it evolves. So there's like this idea of just, just be patient with yourself, work hard, hustle. Like it's, this is not like, if this was easy, everybody would be doing it. So take that. I remember in 2011 or 2012, I totally stalked Jessica Hish at a, our RGD design thinkers conference. I just casually was standing by like, the entrance when she walked by, I was like, oh, Jessica. So we chatted and I think I asked her the same thing. Like, what would you, do you have any advice for like newbies like me? And she's like, no matter what you say, no matter what you read or no matter what you hear, there's room for everybody. So don't get discouraged that, oh my God, there's just too many lettering artists or too many sign painters. There's room for you. There's room for everybody. Just always think about what is it that you can offer that's different and that usually comes from inside of you like what is it what is it about you or your your personality that you want to bring out through your work and I won't like clients see it people see it it comes through it's like as artists or designers that's that's like how our character comes through through our work and I love the idea that we don't there's not just one pie as it were and there's only a certain number of slices to that pie we can bake more pies yeah and every pie is a different flavor, and that's the neat thing about it all. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any favorite design, lettering, or typography people that you follow online or anyone that inspires you? Well, there's some, in terms of sign painting, there's some incredible uh, sign painters in the States that you can't ignore. Mike Myers, John Downer are just icons. They're just from another era. There's an incredible sign painter in Dublin. I think his name is Kieran Globel or Global. I love his work. And then in Toronto, um, Andrew Kidder, who also goes by Arcade, he's probably the most prolific sign painter in Toronto. If you've seen sign painting, you've definitely seen his work. He is great. That's all I can think of right now. Yeah, no, that's a great list. I Some of those names aren't familiar, so I'm going to check that out. Thank you. Pleasure. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do or they want to get in touch or they want to maybe buy one of your beautiful pieces? How do they find you? You can find my website quite easily, ChristopherRouleau.com. And through there, you'll link to my shop and Etsy site. And then I'm also on Instagram, Twitter. I think that's it.
Yeah. And if you want to reach out to me, my email inbox is always open and I'm happy to answer questions about typography, fonts, lettering, or sign painting. The very last question I have for you is in regards to, uh, to a specific typeface. And if you could only use one typeface for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Only because you put me on the spot and I don't want to waste an hour thinking about it. I've always, always, always been a fan of Futura and the Futura family. So that would probably be my short answer. Are there any typefaces that you absolutely hate? I know hate's a strong word, but is, are there any, um, what are your feelings on Comic Sans? <laughs> Comic Sans has a place somewhere and it has like a long history that we can't ignore. So let, let Comic Sans live on, <laughs> but I will not be using it in any of my projects. I am, I'm glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that. Well, thank you so much, uh, Christopher, for joining us today. And I wish you all the best in all of your future work. And I'm excited to see what you come up with next. Thanks again, Diana. And there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.